Hey guys, welcome back to the Colorful Plates podcast, your weekly source for what's happening in the produce and food service worlds. Joining us this week is Fresh Links Tomato Division General Manager, Aaron Aliotti. It's been a while since we last spoke with him, but the tomato market has been a roller coaster the past couple months. We figured it was a good time to bring him on and inform us all on what's going on with the market and why. Before we get to Aaron's tomato update, let's start out with our market reports on some other commodities. Kicking off market reports this week with Bell Peppers, whose supplies are tight in the east and south Florida. Growers on both the east and west coast of Florida are harvesting, but most have new fields that have not yet reached full production. Cold temps slowed harvest for fear of damaging plants. This week, we'll see supplies increase as temps are warming up and those newer fields are coming into full production. In the west, quality is fair on green, red, and yellow bells coming out of Mexico, but these markets are steady for now. For celery, supplies continue to exceed demand. Warm weather and lack of rain will only keep supplies coming. SoCal is the best area to purchase from in terms of pricing and quality. Quality is very strong right now, so it's time to pick up that celery juicing again. Cucumbers are seeing issues on quality and supply. Mexico's light harvest, coupled with abundant widespread wind scarring on Honduran imports, has affected quality and supplies on all field-grown cukes. We'll begin seeing domestic supplies coming out of Florida this week, but in a light way. South Florida has been experiencing those constant temperature fluctuations and wind for the past two months, meaning the first of the domestic supply will not be very strong. For now, select-grade products are the best value. Wrapping up with lettuce, and the market is flat across the board for iceberg, romaine, and other leaf varieties. Defects on these items are industry-wide, but quality is still there. Supplies are expected to exceed demand for the week, except some rain is entering the Yuma growing region, which may affect supplies at the beginning of the week. Additionally, the tender leaf market is steady, and warmer weather has helped supply, quality, and growth. That does it for market reports this week. Next up, we hear from Aaron Aliotti regarding the state of tomatoes and what this market looks like moving forward. It's definitely been a roller coaster ride the past few weeks, and he gives us his take on how this market is shaping up for the spring. Let's hear what he had to say. I'm just going to ask a general question to start out. So my first question is just what is going on with the tomato market? Because it seems like things have been really kind of up and down and kind of crazy for at least the past month or couple of months. Yeah, you're right. It, it has been a couple of months. And right now, the tomato market is, is coming out of really its second demand exceeds supply type of market in the past four months. Every year between November and June, primary growing regions for tomatoes are Florida and Mexico. Mm-hmm. During that time, uh, Florida growers account for all domestic production, producing roughly half the tomatoes consumed in the U.S., but they rely, we rely on Mexico to supplement the rest of the nation. Uh, and especially mm-hmm. the West Coast. And because of where these growing regions are geographically, uh, they're sometimes insulated against singular weather events that can damage crops entirely. So, for example, like a hurricane that hits Florida is not likely going to have an effect on Mexico and vice versa. However, right. weather has been and you know it's always going to be a driving factor in farming. And, and today, with the focus on weather-related challenges, around climate change, we're hearing of terms more frequently like weather whiplash, at least I am. And that's mm-hmm. event scenario, scenario events, uh, weather events where, you know, you have an extreme heat wave followed by an extreme cold system and then wind and rain followed by sunshine. It, it, there's little stability. Things seem, seem to live in the extreme. Right. And, uh, that's really causing or 
this this up and down roller coaster that Tomatoes has been on really since the end of summer. Um, November got off to a slow start without any delays from major hurricanes like in previous years, but the effects of these irregular type of weather has began to affect the market in both the eastern and western growing regions at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the perfect storm, essentially. Yeah, just, you know, by December, Florida was already suffering reduced supplies from balloon drop because they received triple-digit temperatures uh, for days at a time in October. Um, and from then until now, Florida's weather has cycled between rain and sunshine and cold, and it's caused these fluctuations in growing and harvest cycles so that there is little stability and supply is still short. And during that same time period in the West, at the end of November, Mexico experienced nearly a, a week of torrential rains flooding multiple regions in, in the mainland and, and Baja. Um, Sinaloa, one particular area that's the main growing region of tomatoes, declared a national emergency. People are just trying mm-hmm. to get their lives back to normal. So those farms were literally underwater. Wow. And so, Aaron, does, does Mexico supply the U.S. with tomatoes year-round or just in that certain time frame you were speaking of? From like November to June. Mexico's become so efficient that they import year round. Okay. They're the main exporter to the U.S. behind Canada for tomatoes. Florida produces, you know, half, more than half of the nation's supply during the year. California has a small season in summer and they make up about 30% of the tomatoes. And Mexico is is a huge importer into the United States. And so which varieties are most affected? And well, actually, let me step back. So you're saying all these weather events have been occurring. It's just been a roller coaster up, down, up and down. Where are we right now in this situation? So right now we're coming out of that second weather event. Because Florida has been at a reduced supply and Mexico imports have drastically stopped. I'm talking about February Mm -hmm. now. Florida's faced with carrying all the demand. So the market skyrocketed, and we're in a week right now where things are adjusting quickly. We're getting a flush of fruit coming from Mexico. We've seen a, an uptick in the last couple of days. The market's come off by more than half, and it's three times. Um, you know, tomatoes were $30 last week. They're $9 this week. Mm. Swings that nobody can really predict. Right. Because of the weather that, that we've been trying to keep an eye on, there was a prediction for a recovery to happen mid-March with trade minimums not getting down to the price floor until probably April, and that's moved up a couple weeks ahead of schedule. So this is kind of a, it, it's due to a flush of fruit that's because farms are able to get back in the fields, they're harvesting, they have some sunshine, but it's not to say that we're out of the woods. I mean, these things, will will be an ebb and flow up through the spring season that'll start uh, in April. So, Aaron, you mentioned that these weather events have been really drastic and are pointing to, you know, climate change related. It's that they are climate change related. Do you think that this um, season and how drastic of weather events, you know, that back and forth, the hot, the cold, do you think that this is kind of one of the first big events in produce that's pointed to climate change related, like produce industry issues, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, the climate is changing all of the time and you know this is a, a snapshot in a big picture every year is going to have right. its own challenges you know last we, we didn't really have any major hurricanes disrupting produce at the end of last year where in years previous we did so 
if you would have asked me in, in December, it looked like it was a good year because there were no major storms. But now we look at just uh, incremental weather patterns changing quickly, and it, it's hard to see. It's hard to see what to expect, but um, without a doubt, I, I think most of the consensus is that you know ocean temperatures are rising and things like that, and that'll affect our, our climate as a whole. But where we live and you know talking about produce. Um, there are other factors that are making this a little bit more difficult. So um, as of September last year, there's been a new suspension agreement for tomatoes that was agreed upon between Mexico and the U.S. Right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then in November, there have, the USDA Animal Plant Health Services also implemented phytosanitary controls to contain the, the tomato brown rugose fruit virus that mm-hmm. was a uh, spreading in Mexico. So in what does that mean? In years in years previous, under the old suspension agreement, um, tomatoes could flow openly to the United States with uh, adjustments to sale being made after they were received. So if a shipper received a, a bad shipment, they could adjust the cost of goods uh, right. to offset for the product. Well, under the new agreement, those tomatoes need to be inspected at the border. And if they don't make or if they don't pass inspection, they are sent back to the grower at the grower's expense. They don't enter the country. So that, when you follow a weather event where that there's poor quality or quality challenges, and in tomatoes, it's such a thin-skinned fruit that, and they're harvested green, so some of the challenges don't necessarily show up right away. As the item mm-hmm. matures and colors in transit, those quality challenges come out. So Mexico is sending less with the fear that they will have to pay for the items that are not crossing the United States. And it's created a stronger national market in Mexico. So that is some that is a factor that we need to consider for this year that we haven't had to think of before. And right now it's not even in full effect yet. As of April first, USDA gave uh USDA was given six months to ramp up. They're having to hire and train inspectors just to do this job mm-hmm. those into effect april 1st when april 1st comes we'll have to be at 100 percent inspection rates for tomatoes coming into the u.s uh that's typically a time when california is going and tomatoes are very cheap right if that price floor from mexico is raised at all we will more than likely see more tomatoes out of california as well but it like you said it's it's the unknown that's going to be due to weather but there's other factors coming into play, too, is that this market is just ever-changing in itself with the inspections and everything. And you said that Mexico, there's a stronger national market there. Is that Are you saying that Mexico is not um, exporting as many tomatoes to us as they have because of these inspections and because of all this kind of, I guess you could say, like red tape that they have to deal with now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, typically the national market in Mexico is, is stronger when uh, they do not have the ability to, to make the money um, from American consumers. Uh, so that product is is kept home where they don't have to pay the freight to the border if you're any kind of uh, rejection and they're still able to, to consume that product. Okay. And which varieties, um, just segueing more into the details, which varieties have been most affected in the past like four or so months with all this up and down? Sure. In this type of scenario, um, any time Mexico is affected with weather, 
the Roma tomato will be the one that is affected first because by design, Florida does not dedicate a lot of acreage to Roma tomato, tomatoes. They rely on production from Mexico because they're so efficient mm-hmm. at, at growing them. When, when Mexico is hit with a weather event and the flow of Roma tomatoes stop, Mexico, I mean, uh, Florida very, has very little to offset demand. So in a scenario like we just had in February, Roma tomatoes are the first ones to take off, and then demand has to adjust. People will sub into a round variety of vine ripes to try to offset the need for the tomato because there just isn't any. Right. And what about cherry and grape? I saw that those were heavily affected at one point where there were like none in the pipeline. It, I mean, they've obviously rebounded, but those those varieties were pretty pretty impacted as well, right? But Florida was kind of able to pick up. A, Florida was able to kind of pick up the slack on that, right? Yeah, they're they're a major producer of those items as well. The grape and cherry tomatoes is a little bit more of a labor intensive crop, and if it's grown outside, uh, you know, harvest schedules are halted anytime it starts to rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, Mexico does have a lot of production that's under glass or in a protected environment. Um, typically, the the product that's grown out in the field is the, is the slowest to, to recover. Anytime grapes and tomatoes are affected, it's either due to a you know, halted schedule because of a weather event or crop damage. And in the event that the crop is damaged, the, the turnaround for for fruit on those types of plants is a little bit quicker than the bigger varieties. It's tomato will come out on the plant. They're smaller. They don't need as much time to grow very large and can recover within a few weeks. Whereas you get a beefsteak tomato or a large fine ripe aroma, it may take six to eight weeks before you're back into the farm. Right. What about the hothouse supply of tomatoes? Is that is that a consistent thing? Like 365, are, are you guys getting supplied with hothouse tomatoes? And, and has that helped relieve some of the burden on the field-grown operations? Or is it been strictly, I'm, not, I'm just not sure in Mexico since they're obviously a huge supplier. And um, are they doing hothouse down there as well? Or is it all field-grown? And that's kind of why these weather events are having such a huge impact. Well, Mexico not only grows in the field and in hothouse protected environments, but they have something called an adaptive environment. Those are shade houses that are uh, like poop types of system with tarps. Mm-hmm. So even when it rains, moisture is able to get in to the flooring. The, the humidity level rises and the threat of disease becomes a, a quick mm-hmm. concern uh, just as moisture sitting on the plants. And in fact, in February, there was disease uh, right around the time imports stopped. And the reason projection for April was what everyone was looking at for recovery was that disease that was talked about because when you, when you saw pictures of these growing areas, the plants had literally just withered and died at the top. There was no bloom coming off and they were literally just, uh, the plant was cut in half. They were just trying to harvest fruit off the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think that threat mm-hmm. wasn't as great as people were led to believe initially or concerned about it growing into. It was, mitigated because we are doing more supply now um, but the Canadian hothouse you, you think of Canadians as hothouse but uh, we talk about hothouse but they're also their operations are, are on every continent I think at this point and um, they're heavy in, in the retail segment of the marketplace and you know for proact chefs and, and distributors we when we deal in hothouse items it's mostly the specialty items that they have, the, the ones that are unique of a proprietary mm-hmm. or 
uh, typically higher sugar content that's not typically found in, in a field product. It's, it's more of a specialized seed or it's, it's unique in color and appearance, so it's appealing when you plate it, not only when you taste it. Uh, so that is a, is a factor, and we saw that market take off as well. I mean, Florida and Mexico markets go high, all of a sudden beefsteak, tomato on the vine, POV, uh, all of that goes right with it because, again, there's just not enough to go around. People are looking to offset what they're missing into other categories. A shortage in one area literally affects the price on everything everywhere else. Right. And so what's ahead for this market, Aaron? How how are the next few months looking as of now, barring any major weather events? Well, we're seeing the market come down today. Supplies are increasing out of Mexico. Florida's having to adjust. Demand's looking like it's evening out. Uh, but we're not out of the woods yet. And Mexico's still going to have quality challenges that, that come out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, on the other hand, Florida's receiving a little bit of rain. So, I mean, this there's not a lot of stability in the growing areas yet. But to answer your question, come springtime, you know, in, in April, there'll be new growing regions that'll have a fresh injection of fruit into the marketplace. So, so come April, Florida's going to transition up to the Palmetto and Ruskin area where uh, there's some plants waiting to start there. Next go crops will continue where they are, but they'll have the addition of the Sonora crop also. And that's a little bit of a misnomer right now. A few weeks ago, Sonora, Sonora is reserved for the spring, uh, received several weeks of, excuse me, several mm-hmm. days, like two days of freezing temperatures in the early morning. Um, so the, the concerns for cold snap and bloom drop were, were brought up at that time, but, uh, we won't know until those, until harvesting time, whether they're on schedule or a few weeks behind. Um, but okay. For the most part, it looks like things are better now. We might see some ebbs and flows throughout March. See what happens. So largely just depend on the weather and supply. You know, all these things go hand in hand. Thank you, Aaron, for keeping us up to date on the tomato front. It's always great to chat with you, and I hope blue skies are ahead for the tomato market. That's all we had for this week. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play and follow us on social media for recipe inspiration and more. I hope you all have a great week and as always, stay fresh.